This is 15-Minute History, a podcast for educators, students, and history buffs featuring the minds and talents of the University of Texas at Austin. 15-Minute History is a partnership of Not Even Past and Hemispheres in the College of Liberal Arts at UT Austin. Welcome back. I'm your host, Christopher Rose, with the Center for Middle Eastern Studies. My guest in the, well, by telephone today is Samuel Thrope, who is a writer and translator based in Jerusalem, who earned his doctorate from the University of California, Berkeley, and is now a fellow with the Martin Buber Society at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem, from where he joins us by phone. Welcome, Sam. Hi, Chris. So today we're going to be talking about a book that you just translated into English uh, from Persian, written by the uh, Iranian intellectual Jalali Ahmed, about his visit to Israel in the early 1960s, which I think is going to be fascinating to a lot of our listeners who may think of Iran and and Israel as polar opposites. Um, So can you tell us more about uh, the relationship between Israel and Iran when he came to visit? Sure. Uh, Like you mentioned, uh, people today think of Iran and Israel uh, as being natural enemies. But in the 60s, uh, and right up until the Islamic Revolution in 1979, uh, Israel and Iran had actually quite close relations. Um, When the State of Israel was founded in 1948, uh, Iran, or at least the ruling class of Iran at the time, uh, saw itself as a modernizing Western-aligned country, and that orientation, that kind of uh, that aspect of Iranian political culture, only grew stronger as uh, Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi gained more power within the Iranian government. Um, Israel also saw itself in a similar way, kind of a modern Western-oriented state, uh, and the two had a natural alliance. I mean, they were both also aligned with the United States during the Cold War, uh, so that was another source of. Uh, of alignment for them. Right. So were they actually politically aligned, or was it kind of an informal relationship that they had? Uh, well, it was more of an informal relationship. I mean, there was mutual interest, uh, but Iran never formally recognized the state of Israel, even though there was an unofficial Israeli embassy in Tehran. And the two countries had uh, very close commercial and especially military ties. You know, Israel sold weapons to Iran, uh, advised the Shah on on numerous uh, political matters, uh, helped with uh, the Savak, which was the secret police in Iran at the time, and the Iranians sold oil to Israel. Right. Now, for those who aren't familiar with Iranian intellectual history, and, and I have to admit that I'm, I'm one of those people, uh, can you tell us a little more about Jalal Ali Ahmed and who he was in the greater scheme of Iranian literary thought? Yeah, so Ali Ahmed himself uh, was born in Tehran in, uh, in 1923, um, and he actually came from a religious family, even though in his youth, he turned to the Communist Party, the Today Party of Iran. Um, and uh, Ali Ahmad was, I mean, he began his writing career as part of this Communist Today movement, writing for its magazines uh, and editing some as well. Um, and uh, But his career really took off, and he became more prominent um, during the 1950s uh, and especially the 1960s. Um, he wrote travelogues, essays, novels, short stories. He translated uh, a number of important writers from French into Persian, uh, including Salch. Uh, and he's 
he became best known in Iran, and he's still uh, famous today for an essay that he wrote uh, called Occidentosis, or Westernization, um, that came out in 1962. Um, and this essay, like uh, the name implies, was an argument, um, you could even say a kind of uh, forceful argument, uh, against westernization within Iran. Um, Ali Ahmad thought that uh, Iranians needed to return to their cultural roots, not to adopt Western styles, uh, not to uh, sort of just mimic the culture they saw coming from the West. Um, and an important part of that book, uh, and one which made it important in the history of the of the Islamic Revolution, was that Ali Ahmad says that Shia Islam is an important aspect, one of the fundamental aspects of the Iranian culture that he argues uh, the country should return to. And um, if I remember correctly, the book you mentioned, um, Occidentosis, I, I've seen several titles. I think the one that I'm, I'm familiar with is West Toxification. I, either way, the title definitely gives the impression that, that the West is bad. It, it got a lot of press after the Islamic Revolution in 1979 um, as sort of a key document that was produced to demonstrate that the Iranians were not big fans of, of the United States, as I recall. Right. Uh, yeah, even Ayatollah Khomeini uh, referred to the, the Persian equivalent of Occidentosis, this, this neologism that, that Ali Ahmad, uh, he wasn't the first to use it, but he was the first to popularize it. Um, anyway, so yeah, so Ayatollah Khomeini used it in his speeches as a way of talking about the new direction the revolution would take. So, um, out of curiosity, how did you come to discover this, this book that he had written about Israel, and where did you take that uh, from your discovery to, to publishing the translation? Well, yeah, it's it's funny actually. I uh, I knew about this book before I knew about the book, uh, so to speak. I first heard about uh, Ali Ahmad's trip to Israel and the book that he wrote a couple years ago in a lecture at Tel Aviv University. But I had actually studied Ali Ahmad years before in a class at UC Berkeley where I did my PhD. And it took, I mean, it took a long time after I first heard about Ali Ahmad's trip to Israel and began reading more widely in what he had written and uh, commentaries on his life and on his importance within Iranian history. Then I made the connection to having studied him, I don't know, 10 years ago in my first semester of Persian literature. Yeah, and... From hearing him uh, in that first lecture in Tel Aviv, as I mentioned, I was so enraptured and uh, curious about what this text could be that I ended up translating a section and then uh, publishing it, and uh, my publisher, Restless, became interested, in, and uh, they asked me to do the whole thing. Just out of total curiosity, is, is the book in print in Iran today? Yeah, uh, it absolutely is. I is mean, it? The, okay. Yeah, the edition that I have is... I don't know, from three or four years ago. Uh, Ali Ahmad, uh, he's, he's a major writer in 20th century Iranian literature. It's hard to overstate his importance. Right. So all his books are, are still in print, including this one. Great. So can you explain what brought him to Israel and, and what he was looking to find there? What, you know, again, it's, it's a little hard to wrap your head around the idea of a high-profile Iranian intellectual going to Israel. So what was he doing there? Okay, well... Ali Ahmad's first uh, encounter with Israel, about 20 years before he came on his visit, came in 1948, 
that was the year that Israel was founded, but in Iran, it was the year uh, of a split within the two-day party, this communist party that I mentioned before, um, not Stalinist models. And one of the things that he came across was the kibbutz, uh, the Israeli agricultural collectives, which uh, in sort of some ways became a symbol of of uh, Israeli socialism and Israeli society uh, when the state was founded. Um, and Ali Ahmad was just really excited and intrigued by uh, by this Israeli agricultural experiment. He started to read everything that he could get his hands on about Israel, uh, which I assume was not so much in Tehran in those days. Um, he read the Bible also. He read... Uh, the transcripts of the Nuremberg trials is one thing that he mentions. Uh, and over the years, because of this reading and because of this interest, Ali Ahmad also made contact or, or met members of uh, the Israeli diplomatic mission in Tehran. Um, he doesn't mention this in the book, uh, but we know from other sources, from his letters uh, and from documents in the Israel National Archives, that Ali Ahmad became quite close with some of the Israeli diplomats in Tehran at the time. Uh, they were part of the same social group. They would go to meet at parties. They would uh, exchange letters. I, I mean, I don't want to overstate the connection, but uh, Ali Ahmad refers to these diplomats by their first names and, and is clearly on a friendly basis with him. Um, so his trip, uh, which was an official trip sponsored by the Israeli government, uh, came about because of these connections. Um, at the time, in the early 60s, the Israeli uh, embassy, the unofficial embassy in Tehran, um, paid for and organized trips for a number of Iranian intellectuals to Israel. Uh, Ali Ahmad was just one of them. So after all of this sort of enthusiastic research uh, that he did when he was still in Iran, um, what was his reaction when he finally made it to Israel? What were his impressions of the country? Um, well, it's complicated. I mean, the the book that he wrote, which is, you know, the source for, for his impressions of that trip, um, speaks in two voices, you might say. Part of it is uh, very enthusiastic, very pro-Israel is the wrong word, but makes the claim that Israel should be the model for the path that Iran should take, uh, that in Israel, Ali Ahmad uh, sees a blend of socialism uh, and liberal capitalism. He sees a blend of East and West. Um, and he argues that that uh, this Israeli experiment should be adopted in the Iran of his day. On the other hand, and this is especially true in the last chapter of the book, but it's also true earlier as well. Um, Ali Ahmad says that, uh, you know, Israel is a bridgehead of, of uh, Western capitalism in the East, um, that it is a poorly realized indemnity uh, for what the Germans did to the Jews during the Holocaust. Uh, he, he also has criticisms. What would you consider to be his... Um keenest insights into Israel that he writes about, and and conversely, uh, what doesn't he mention in his text? Okay, well, I mean, the, the first thing which is important to say is that Al Ahmad, despite all the reading he did beforehand, was only in Israel for two weeks, uh, and he didn't speak Hebrew. He was uh, 
always accompanied by guides from the Israeli Foreign Ministry. And from the evidence of the text itself, these guides seem to speak French, not Persian. So he was there was a kind of double translation going on. So he gets, you know, he gets a lot wrong about Israel. There's a lot that he doesn't see or sees through the lens of these guides and, and translators. So with that in mind, in terms of what's wrong with the book, the most interesting thing are the absences. Uh, Ali Ahmad never mentions the Jewish community within Iran itself, or the fact that Persian-speaking Jews uh, were involved in the Zionist project and were living in Israel. Um, he seems to sort of delete them from the record in some ways. Uh, and at the same time, he never talks about Judaism uh, within the Jewish state. I mean, it's, it's interesting that he's so enthusiastic about the Israeli project, but the Jewish part of uh, Israel or Jewish history are not so much his concern. Um, I think that's partially because he just wasn't so interested in religion in general, but also because in the book he presents himself as an Iranian discovering Israel for the first time uh, and needs Israel in some ways to be a blank canvas on which he can project his own ideas and his own uh, fantasies about what Israel can mean for the Iran of his day. So you mentioned earlier that the tone of the book changes considerably in the in the last chapter, which I also noticed mentioned in a couple of reviews that I've read. Could you talk a little bit about what the shift in tone entails and whether you think it was written at the same time as the rest of the text or, or tacked on later? Sure. Um, so the first four chapters of the book, uh, like you mentioned, um, are pretty much of the same tone, and they were written probably uh, within the first several years after Ali Ahmad returned from his trip in, 19, uh, in the early 60s. Um, the last chapter, though, uh, it's quite clear, was written in 1967 as a response to the Six-Day War. Um, and it's very different in tone uh, from the rest of the book. This last chapter, and this is the reason that some people have argued that it's a forgery not actually written by Ali Ahmad. Uh, the last chapter is written as a letter from a friend abroad to him, written to Ali Ahmad. Um, and the first part of the book identifies with Israel, is uh, very positive about the Israeli socialist project. Um, the last chapter is overwhelmingly negative, uh, even anti-Semitic. I mean, the, the claim is made that Jews control uh, the newspapers in France, the Jews control the banks, and that's why um, there was European support for Israel uh, during the Six-Day War. And whereas in the first part of the book, there's a great deal of criticism of Israel's Arab neighbors uh, because they were so close to the West and, and uh, aping Western culture, uh, at least that's what Ali Ahmad claims. In this final chapter, um, the narrator argues that Iranians uh, should identify with and support their Muslim brothers and everyone who's struggling against Israeli imperialism and uh, protest sort of what, what Israel is doing, occupying all the territories which were captured after the Six-Day War. Right. And I know a lot of uh, literary critics have commented on this 
massive shift in tone toward Israel uh, throughout the region, not just in, in Iran, but in, in Arab and, and Turkish literature as well. So um, wrapping up, um, what what does this book have to teach us today about the conflict, and I'll put quotes around that, both real and imagined, between Israel and Iran? Okay, well, the first thing that the book has to teach, and this is a lesson particularly for Israelis, I think, um, is just the fact that there was an Iranian intellectual at this time, and there are Iranians now uh, who are interested in Israel. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make too much of this, but the way that Iran is perceived uh, within Israeli popular discourse today is overwhelmingly negative, that, that all Iranians are anti-Semitic, um, and that all they want to do is destroy the Jewish state. And on its most basic level, I think this text just shows that there's more to the story than that, that there are Iranians who have different opinions, and that there were and are people who were who are curious and who are coming um, with more open opinions, you could say. Um, but I think the the more significant lesson is that uh, Ali Ahmad's experience shows how similar Israel and Iran actually are. Ali Ahmad presents himself uh, as an Iranian, um, conflicted or um, disturbed by his country's place between East and West. And he comes to Israel in order to resolve this inner conflict. Um, But it turns out, and this is, it's never stated explicitly in the book, but this is the, I think, underlying message, uh, that Israel, the Israel he comes to to find is as conflicted as he, you know, be, I think that in this way, Ali Ahmad hits on something very true about both Israel and Iran, that the two countries are uh, responding to a similar encounter with European modernity uh, and experienced around the same time similar radical shocks to their traditional cultures. So one response is Zionism, which leads to Israel, and there are different responses within Iran. Um, but this uh, this ongoing dialogue, this ongoing conflict between tradition and modernity is something which defines both cultures today, uh, both in Israel and in Iran. And that's why I think the book is still relevant, because it shows how when Iranians and Israelis look at each other, to a certain extent, they're also looking in a mirror. That's a fascinating point, and um, I, I really hope that the book uh, does very well. Um, we're just about out of time, Sam. I really want to thank you for uh, joining me uh, by phone um, and, uh, and for being part of 15-Minute History. Uh, thanks very much. All right. We'll see you next time, and don't forget you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can find a transcript of this episode, along with supplemental documents, suggestions for further reading, and correlations to this Texas and National Educational Standards for History and Geography on our website, blogs.utexas.edu backslash 15-Minute History. That's the numerals 1-5-Minute History. You can also find a link to suggest topics for upcoming episodes. The University of Texas at Austin is a free speech campus. Opinions and viewpoints expressed in episodes of 15-Minute History do not represent the official position of the University of Texas or of any of its colleges or departments. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.